0: Hello and welcome to the Big Feels Club podcast. I'm Graham Panther.
1: I'm Anna Eastley.
0: We're recording this live from the Big Feels bunker.
1: Our house.
0: Sure. (laughs) Um, Look, the Big Feels Club is, in more regular times, a space to find real content about mental health made by people who've been there. However, right now, we're still figuring out exactly how best we can help in the little ways that we can. But what we were thinking is
1: in this time of global pandemic.
0: Can we make a space that specifically explores what's it like to be a sensitive cat right now? In what way do the quite terrifying real-world happenings intersect with your own uh, well-worn paths of anxiety, sadness, depression, despair? We know you all have very practical concerns to tend to, that stuff we're just kind of take as given here this will be a space we might make a few of these little mini podcast episodes where we're going to talk about the emotional resonance of it all the feeling stuff so before we jump into it i want to ask you a question i feel like i've asked people a million times this week which is how are you doing
1: uh, I was up like past midnight last night, deep diving on uh, mitigation strategies for COVID 19 and like trying to convince my parents not to leave the house. <laughs> it's been um,
0: so relatively just chill? a normal, yeah, yeah, just
1: a normal day, yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah, that question of how you're doing, I have a different answer to that.
1: Yeah, how are you doing? By
0: the minute. Yeah. If I had to sum it up, basically, I'm scared, I'm tense, I'm filled with dread more so than my average normal amount. <laughs> I just feel very on. Yeah. Like, wired and tired.
1: Yeah. I was chatting with two friends yesterday and I was just like, I just haven't been able to concentrate at all. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I haven't, like, I. Yeah, my brain is just overloaded with this stuff and I just cannot attend to other things in a meaningful way.
0: Yeah, you can't look away from what's happening and yet looking at it is fucking overwhelming.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I actually found it to be quite surreal, but in the last two days, I kind of, it's like coming, it's real, so.
0: Yeah, so on that note, the guts of what you're going to hear today is a discussion we made uh, we recorded two days ago, that already feels <laughs> sort of out of date.
1: About anyway. an hour and a half after we recorded this, I read something that made me go, oh, fuck. And, like, since then I've been sort of out out to the ducks.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're still going to include it in here because I think it ultimately it, it will be useful, but we're sort of just naming that. By. And I
1: think that uh, people are at different stages of freaking out about this. Probably yeah. people listening to this are more on the on the front end of that. But, um, yeah, people will be at different stages than this.
0: Yeah, so the thing we're going to talk about today is, is uh, quite a personal thing, which is how specifically what happens when you and your romantic partner who you share a bedroom with have, let's say, different sensitivities, different thresholds for quite how intensely you need to uh, distance yourself from one another.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a conundrum.
0: What do you do when one of you has major health phobias uh, and is convinced every possible surface in the house needs to be disinfected by the minute and the other is a relatively more chill bean? Um, so like we say, we we recorded the guts of this episode uh, two days ago. It already feels like a year has passed and it's somehow all too casual, but that's kind of the nature of this moment, right? Like feelings are changing by the minute facts on the ground are changing by the minute. Um, so we're just going to trust that what we, what we've got here is helpful anyway, take what's useful, ignore the rest. Let's set the scene. Fair to say that I am what you might call an early adopter of uh, global panic. So I've been on this for weeks. I've been obsessing, about, like, safe hygiene practices most of my life. It's it's something that particularly presses my buttons.
1: Your anxieties often swirl around health.
0: I Yeah, I'm health observant. Yeah. Examples of that include I've spent many years being scared of potting mix because I read once it can give you legionnaires.
1: And look, actually, it turns out a little bit of fear around potting mix is, is due.
0: Yeah, look, I have enough for everyone else.
1: And I wouldn't have known that if I didn't know you. Um, I would have just been huffing the stuff.
0: Sure, which, you know, is a problem. Now, you, on the other hand, your parents tend to have raised you with a pretty she'll-be-right attitude when it comes to health stuff, right? Yeah. So, look, hey, interesting mix of styles.
1: In our relationship,
0: which there always have been. um And we've worked through that. But now all of a sudden, we're in this situation where my actions influence you, your actions influence me. We're all in this together. And like you say, that can cause some interesting challenges. And I should say, before we get into it, when it comes to the coronavirus stuff, we are both being very responsible. We're both staying at home, even though. At the time we're recording this, not everyone is doing that. We're each individually doing everything we can to slow the spread by just staying home. But even within that frame of doing everything you can to protect the general public, there's still room on the domestic front for, shall we say, differences of opinion about how to manage the tricky part of sharing a house together.
1: Let's set the scene. I went to New Zealand for work. There was some discussion the night before, well, the week leading up to it. You were feeding me bits and pieces of information at random basically about how I shouldn't go.
0: It wasn't at random. It was a, a timed strategic schedule of how many things I would tell you in the hopes that it would convince you that was a bad idea. For, for context, was, that was what date, because this will come out a little bit after we record it. It was, it was the weekend of, the, I think, the 13th. 14th, March 14th?
1: I would say it was the week where in Australia shit got real um, and we like the following week we closed the borders. Yeah. So right in that bit just before everyone starts being like, ah!
0: Yeah, so you had this thing, it wasn't just for work, it was for a particular um, documentary you're working on where like the, not going would have been a real missed opportunity.
1: And expensive.
0: And expensive. A waste of money. Yeah. Yeah. But also, you, you. To be fair to you, you had you had trepidation. You, you you were watching the news. You were kind of trying to figure out what the right right approach was. Um, but we had different views on whether you should go or not.
1: Yes, but I thought the interesting thing was when I came back, yeah. because when I came back mm-hmm. in the kind of three days that I'd been gone. Uh, Australia had instituted a 14-day mandatory self-isolation period for anyone coming back from overseas. Yep,
0: and we're recording this on, I think, day five of your self-ISO.
1: Yeah, this is day five of self-ISO. Hmm. And what was interesting is because the mad dash and I didn't have internet and I was just totally exhausted, I, we didn't actually talk about what that would mean. And to be honest, when I got back, the information, it all seemed extremely lax. I thought they were going to be taking temperatures and doing screening at the airport. The airport was dead quiet. We just got given a piece of paper. No one gave us masks, which we were supposed to have, you know, all this kind of stuff. It was kind of tricky to know what to do because I had come back from New Zealand, which a place in New Zealand that had had no cases. Hmm. And, you know, it's not no risk but it is low risk. And But I did happen to get caught up in this 14-day self-isolation thing. So it was kind of tricky, particularly because the information I was getting was um, differing. Yeah. So the first information I got at the airport from the government Mm. was don't go out of your house. And then if you get sick, um, don't leave your room. But then, to be fair,
0: I was never suggesting you remain quarantined in the room. But I mean, I, I considered it, but
1: that was, was off
0: the table pretty. You bit.
1: know, to be honest, though, once I realised how freaked out you were, I was up for that.
0: <laughs> so, I was
1: like, if, if I need to just stay in this room, so let, I can do that. So
0: let's get to the heart of it. You got home, I refused to hug you.
1: <laughs> That's I right. I
0: think you found that a little bit confronting.
1: <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no i was like this is like being in graham's anxieties incarnate yeah it's just like
0: well the thing is what's funny so my side of it was i kind of just knew like i know i know we have different approaches to this stuff so i was like okay we've got two bathrooms which one will be honors and uh, we won't have her making any food for the next two weeks, and I'll have to do all the dishes. Like, I I'd thought a lot about all of that stuff, and I so think,
1: interesting because you hadn't said anything. Well,
0: we hadn't. We, we went. We had no contact. You, you had no internet. Yeah. So
1: interesting.
0: But the point is, you. I'm assuming did not go through those things in your head.
1: Oh, I I went through. Oh crap! I'm not gonna be able to do. That work stuff, but that work stuff got cancelled anyway. And so I was just sort of rolling with it. Yep. And I got the piece of paper, you know, from the, the you know, the government. <laughs> so it's such a weird conversation to have, not just with yeah. you, but also if you have housemates. Yeah. Of like what how are we feeling about this? Yeah. Particularly because people's feelings on how serious stuff is can change. Oh yeah, Within
0: a and we live with oh, we have two amazing housemates. One in particular, I'm thinking of Lisa, who we had a chat about this yesterday. I was like, "What's it like to live in your brain?" Because in her world, this will all figure itself out, and she's a very like she'll be right kind of person in general. And great quality. It's a fantastic quality, particularly to live with. And we were joking because <laughs> I, I was like, what's it like to live in your brain? She was like, what's it like to live in your brain? Because in my world, in my brain, it's like every possible worst-case scenario, you know, isn't even worst-case enough for me, whereas for her. And and the fact is neither of us know. We have no clue where this is going to go and how, yeah. how it'll sort out. So, so what a great... I would love to live in her brain, like it, given that we're neither of us is right about what's going to happen. I may as, you may as well be on the on the she'll be right in, but but that's just not how I'm how I'm built. And you're, yeah,
1: I don't, I don't actually agree with that.
0: Well, when it comes to this this particular the health thing, I, I my default setting is fear and and gloom. Yeah, at the best of times, like. As I say, just in the garden with butting mix. So, um, yeah, it's pushing my button in particular. I'm I'm, I'm thinking about all you all you people out there with, you know, one of my labels I've had in the past is OCD. I'm thinking about those of you, like the whole hand-washing thing for those of you who already maybe maybe part of your kind of therapeutic schedule is to try and wash your hands less. You know, there's all that kind of layers to the stuff.
1: You know what's funny, though? I've realised that for me... Uh, The one thing that really got me was listening to The Daily Podcast and their health reporter, what's his name? Someone McNeil. He's got a lovely voice. Hmm. Anyway, they've had him on a lot recently because he's been giving updates and he was talking about his approach and how he, and this is maybe like a week ago or something. So, you know, in this time frame, a long period of time. Yeah, two, it,
0: two coronavirus years.
1: Again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um he was saying that he always wears when he gets on public transport, and he's in New York, he wears one glove yeah. and he uses that glove to hold on on the public transport. Yeah. He doesn't sit down and he always puts his other hand in his pocket. Like yeah. and he doesn't touch <laughs> anything else. And then once he gets off, he takes off the gut. Like, yeah. it was just, I was like, whoa, this is actually a lot.
0: And so what's interesting about that for me, like as someone who has always been very germ aware, um, the, like people are saying, oh, it's so hard to not touch your face, for instance. And I'm like, to me, that's not hard at all. Because as I was saying to you the other night, for me, if I've touched something that I think of as uh, contaminated, whether or not it actually is, so like if I've have uh, taken my dog for a walk and I've picked up his poo, even through a plastic bag, that hand to me is like burning and ringing with contamination. So I just don't touch anything with it until I get home, and and it's the same thing with this stuff. If I've touched a surface or whatever, the superpower aspect of being, a, you know, a little bit this way is you're
1: already I'm very aware. You're already yeah. in tune. Yeah, I,
0: and and it's not hard for me to to be safe the flip side is being safe still doesn't feel safe enough so uh, so it's, yeah it's, well
1: just because it's so impossible and i'll yeah. get to that because the thing about this hearing this guy talk about it that really when we go oh shit wasn't him talking about his routine i was like wow that's a bit intense but he said this thing he was like you well, say yeah, it's a bit
0: intense. I'm like he's he's not doing enough. Okay.
1: No. <laughs> he, he was saying that he was like, "Yeah, you've got to be vigilant because if you give it to your loved one hmm. and they die, you will never forgive yourself." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that I was like, "Oh shit. That so that is it's interesting, that is the thing that's
0: what we need is just another layer of guilt here, like yeah. to really
1: uh, So it's been wrap interesting, it kind of like navigating this with you, because because once you start becoming aware of what you're touching and then what mm. you're touching next and all that kind of stuff, uh it just it feels impossible to control if you are sharing a house so
0: yeah so so let me see if i got this right you're you were kind of at a place where you were thinking well we're living together there are certain things we can't avoid um certain risks we can't avoid taking unless i go and live somewhere else which is not an option but just given that that's very impractical there are certain things we have to relax with that's kind of your position and whilst I end up getting there we'll, we'll explain how we kind of resolve this because I think that's useful as well for me it was like I already thought through what the ideal scenario would be which is
1: I go stay in a hotel yeah
0: or, or different bathrooms etc and then I had to scale back to what's practical given the space that we're working with and so for me in my head i had already made all these compromises on my on my particular fears and 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 kind of ideal boundaries so I was coming to it from a place of I've already compromised in my head five different ways yeah and you're saying that I'm still being over the top that was the kind of central tension for us I think
1: well yeah because I'm like well these rules (laughs) these rules (laughs) seem really arbitrary because like you can't share a bed with me but then all like sorry I mean you can (laughs) but I was just like this is it doesn't make sense to me that you would yeah, share yeah. a bed with me, but also not, but not let me like, in the <laughs> kitchen or like.
0: And and and, just, and and let's contextualize all this by saying, like, we, we like neither of us are leaving the house, so this is really a it's a very domestic um, concern. And 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 when it you know when it comes to the possibility of spreading something that you almost definitely don't have to anyone else. You're being very, very careful, but you're talking about the specific kind of uh, practicalities of sharing a house with someone.
1: Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's, I I think that's important to say,
0: because you know, you are being very responsible. We're just, we're talking about the hardest bit, which is the two people living in the same bedroom. Yes. But what it ends up being about, and I think this is where we got to, you know as a couple (laughs) if we look at the emotional side of it is yes there's all these practical things we did do and all these things that were impractical to do because like we say you couldn't go and stay in a hotel we don't have an income right now um but i think where we resolved it was it's not actually about the details in the end it's about the feelings underneath it all is the first thing to to work out and so we had a tiff basically <laughs> on, on like day three, and I and I can't no, remember I think what it was. It, day
1: two. it was early. Like,
0: <laughs> I can't remember exactly the the details, but we were on a walk around the block, keeping our distance from we everyone, walking the dog, and then. <laughs> At some point somehow we were not we were no longer walking together. <laughs> there was that moment where I... one of you stops, the other keeps going, and it's understood by both of you. That that's 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 fine. <laughs>
1: it's the end of the conversation. The of the
0: conversation. <laughs> anyway, the point point is right. We got to that tiff. I can't even remember what it's about, but the, but but
1: Ah, I remember how it started. Oh, go on. I asked you, I said, I think that I think then I need some rules. Like I kind of need to know what your rules are. particularly because I thought um, actually, we need to talk about this with our housemates. So I thought it would be good to talk about it with you first. Yeah. So then we talked about it with them and it all makes sense.
0: You were like, I need some rules. And in my head, I was like, I have been very clear about the rules on it. I
1: was like, yeah, but they don't. Quite makes sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but what I heard was you're being dramatic and you're overly sensitive. And what you probably heard from all the different things I'd come up with was...
1: You're being irresponsible. You're being
0: irresponsible. Yeah, there you go. So that's the point, the emotional resonance of it. I was like, like,
1: I'm trying to be responsible. I'm directly asking you what you
0: want. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I'm trying to be responsible. I've been clear what I think the rules should be. So that's where the details... They matter, but they're not the first thing to work out. The first thing to work out at that point is how are we feeling? And so for me, when I got down to it, I was first of all, I was feeling angry. I was angry that you even went away in the first place. In that that way that it's easy to kind of retrospectively analyze. Like things change with this shit so fast that by the time you came home, even though I had never wanted you to go, in my mind that had shifted to it's so clear you never should have gone. Whereas in reality, oh, it, it wasn't clear because if it was that clear, you, sh- you would, shouldn't have gone. You wouldn't have gone. So, there's well, that part.
1: to put it in context of how quickly everything changed, the people that I was travelling with were booked to go to Mexico two days after we got back, and they were still considering it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! And, like they were. Getting refunds while we were on this, uh, like, three days in New Zealand. Yep. So that's how quickly everything oh, was changing. Exactly.
0: So my point is, though, given my own emotional resonance with all this stuff, my own kind of germophobia that lines up perfectly with this real-world situation, my first feeling that I realized I was having was anger. Um, and then, A, I needed to find a way to say that to you without making it your problem or your fault because it's not your it's not your fault that i feel angry it's not you're not you haven't caused that in your actions that's just my reaction so it's always useful to own your own feelings um and also i had to dig under so so what i find often uh with communicating feelings is that first of all anger is a really hard one to communicate without that um you know it's hard not to hear anger without wanting to just get the fuck away from it so it's also always useful to check and see if there's anything underneath the anger because there usually is and for me it was fear like it's the same old thing that's always under most of the stuff is like i was afraid i was afraid of getting sick and i also felt even underneath the fear was this kind of hurt i i think i said this to you i said yeah
1: you felt like i didn't care
0: i feel like you're not protecting me i think that was the, the heart of it and so even on the one rational level i could see like you said, it was low risk and you were sort of caught up in this global ban that didn't particularly apply to you and all the rest of it. And there were all these practical considerations that meant that we were doing as much as we could. I nonetheless felt hurt. And that's what I ultimately needed to convey to you, which I think I did a pretty good job of eventually.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And then what was it for you? What did you need to tell me at that feelings level?
1: I was just like... So, there were people. <laughs> one of the people we were traveling with. I don't know if I told you this, but right when I left them after we got back to come home, because they know you well, they were like, "Let me know if Graham gets a bit much." You <laughs> like they were kind to- of like good luck with Graham. Yeah. He's going to freak out. And and, and then... You just, to
0: be clear, you were travelling with my ex-wife. And, yeah. uh, look, she knows me. She knows my foibles.
1: So she was like, good luck with that. And I was like, oh, it'll be fine. And then when I got back, I was like, fuck. Um, I think... I can't, I don't know. I think I was just feeling confused and, I, yeah, that's right. I was just feeling confused and I was feeling like I I don't know how to act, yeah. but I feel like everything I'm doing is wrong. Yeah. You don't want to touch me. You kind of seem pissed at me all the time. <laughs> Anytime I do something. And I was kind of like, I was like, he's going to be super, you know, I preempted, I was like, he's going to be super anxious about this and then he's going to get less anxious about it it just might take a while (laughs) but like that i so i was willing to sit with that Yep. uh but it is um it's not nice
0: yeah so the bit that i think if you can get to the heart of what the feelings are i think that's useful and if you can acknowledge your own different responses to this stressful time that's useful so so for me i can own two things i can own that i have particular i have this is kind of my crazy
1: yeah this this is like being in the center of your crazy well because you have these things and usually they're not centered around me yeah like your anxieties around they're not yeah they're other things and i
0: I had opinions about when you were um, pouring potting mix into the inside plant. <laughs> yeah, into yeah. our bed. Um, yeah. No, sure. So, so there's that side of it. Owning you're crazy, knowing that that's partic- my particular like fear, but also, it's not that crazy. Yeah. And so, it kind of requires both. Like I can, on the one hand, I can own that that is the thing I'm most intense about, but on the other hand, I can also I also need to honour those feelings of mine that I also am allowed to ask for what's going to make me feel safe.
1: Yeah, and I think what's tricky in this scenario in particular with so many unknowables is that nobody is (sighs) right. So
0: I, I mean, could, some people are definitely wrong.
1: And I don't want to freak you out.
0: No, let's just be clear that some people are definitely wrong. There are people out there not taking this seriously enough. Yes. They're not in our listenership. Our listenership, you are likely to be on the other end of the spectrum.
1: Conscientious cats.
0: Conscientious.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I suppose in this scenario between you and I, neither of us is wrong. Correct. Neither of us is right. Yeah. I mean, and it is unknowable and remains to be seen. Anything... Could happen.
0: Anything could happen, but whatever happens won't be my fault. I think that's the key <laughs> to take away. No, yeah, you're you're balancing two really important things. You and this is this is gonna be the theme of every episode we do here, you're balancing practical, big deal concerns and looking after your mental well being and relationships.
1: Yeah. Not eating each other
0: alive good luck with that balance will help in our way we can by laying bare our own <laughs> issues foibles so there's a whole other layer i want to touch on before we finish here which is that if if you're anything like me some of what's happening right now in the feeling side of things is easy to talk about which means? I, I can say I'm scared, I'm scared about my parents, my family in London, my friends who are health workers, mm. I'm worried about money, I'm worried about other people and how they're going to deal with with the money side of things. These are the fears that we share and that bring us together, right? Mm. But then there's the other side of it, which is uh, the more personal stuff that's kind of less noble.
1: <laughs> what, are you, what do you mean? So, is this like your... Trying to steal all the toilet paper. Is that is that, that
0: kind of fears? Oh, well, I mean, that's that's where that's coming from from those people that are doing that. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're. I'm trying. I'm. I'm actually trying. Uh, when I see that stuff and it makes me fucking pissed off, I'm trying to remember that where that's coming from for those people is a place of that that kind of small self fear that we do all have some version of. Um, but, yeah, so so when you are a fairly in-your-own-brain sort of person at the best of times, um, this kind of health fear stuff, the phobia, some of the other fears we're going to look at um, in future episodes, like about how to maintain your own well-being when your routine falls apart, these kind of more personal concerns, uh, there can be a sense of shame or judgment uh, in your head for 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 having those concerns amid such a big unfolding crisis. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I wanted to to touch on two things to finish. One is those of you who are like me and are early adopters on panic, the thing is there's value there. That's why I was staying inside way before anyone told us to. Yeah. Uh, that's why I wasn't packing out Bondi Beach when we're really not supposed to be <laughs> around other people. Yes, we might overdo it sometimes, but these sensitivities, these kind of sensitivities we can be ashamed of, that they are good for society, and we are seeing that right now.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting, this thing of... I mean, I'm kind of curious about your thoughts on this because I, I wonder, I imagine you probably felt a little bit dismissed or maybe people are like, yeah, Graham would be freaking out about this.
0: Yeah, earlier on, sure, sure. Um,
1: and then now you're like, well,
0: go. Ahead. Um, no, th- but there is this sense that I do need to remind myself and and for those of you who need to hear this, we, we might be the canaries in the coal mine. We're, we're the anxious little birds that... They were freaking out about this or have freaked out about various other things in the past that didn't turn out to be a big deal. And that can feel quite uh, lonely, but it's also, it's part of uh, your individual sensitivities are part of a part of a global uh, alert system is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) And there's a second part I want to touch on, which is uh, nonetheless, even if you can kind of touch into that, it still hurts. It's still hard to be the one who's been freaked out for weeks already or, or it's still hard to feel like even as you see this as a global concern, you're still kind of hung up in your head on the on the little individual fears. So the thing I wanted to just share for what it's worth is the last time I did go out properly, like to a shop, just probably, maybe even two weeks ago before you came home, Honor. I went shopping, and I I had been inside already for like a week, and I had this really visceral sense that those people around me, in the shop and on the street, were a threat to be avoided, mm. and that was not a nice feeling. Something we'll talk about in a future episode. That that you know this this keep your distance kind of mentality feels a hell of a lot like just being depressed, (laughs) which is a challenge. But what I noticed helped shift that was as I walked around the streets, I started thinking rather than I must stay away from these people for my sake, what if instead I think I got to keep my distance to protect them? Mm. So the so the idea in my head was you know maybe even though I had no risk factors whatsoever maybe I'm a symptomless carrier and I have to um, protect everyone else. That felt better somehow.
1: It's it's interesting that's similar to you know the like wearing a mask in public. Yeah. Because in, from my understanding, in Asian countries, wearing a mask in public signifies I'm trying to protect you. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, whereas in a country like Australia, and I think this is going to shift, yep. but in a country like Australia, wearing a mask indicates I'm infectious, stay away from me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more like about the individual rather than the collective.
0: Yeah, whereas what we need both as a society and just for our own mental well-being is to is to try as much as we can and embrace that sense of, We're in this together.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, I'm curious to see how Australia and other countries are going to rise to that challenge, which is strange to us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a different frame. So we might leave that one there. Um, do you feel resolved?
1: Yeah. Graham uh, gave me a hug yesterday. <laughs> it was For the a first time
0: brief. I I scoured myself afterwards um, <laughs> with a, a chemical peeling agent that I've been no. Yeah, we we're looking pretty good.
1: I, I put in the rules. Graham can officially hug me tomorrow.
0: Where I've landed is I since I'm also self-isolating just out of um sheer like helplessness what what else can i do i can i can stay home that's the little thing that i can do for the world right now um so yeah i've sort of i've relaxed a bit on our interpersonal boundaries but not my emotional boundaries and that's what matters (laughs) all right hope that was useful that's episode one of our little mini pandemic big feels
1: special edition special
0: editions that we're going to be doing Tell us if you liked it. Tell us if you want more. We already have a bunch of things people have sent in to talk about in future episodes, but we would love to have more. So email us. What are the particular ways you're finding your own big feelings are intersecting with what's happening right now? What are the particular ways it's uniquely challenging to be a sensitive cat at a time like this? And also, what are the ways that you are drawing on the internal resources you've already got Um, I mentioned that for me, my OCD stuff can also be quite useful at a time like this because it helps me be really aware of what's safe. What are the other things that you have that you're drawing on that are actually useful from having gone through years of dealing with your own anxieties?
1: What are your advantages?
0: You've been training for this people. What have you learned? (laughs)
1: Um,
0: So email us hello at bigfields.club, subject line podcast. Yeah. And if this is the first you're hearing The Big Feels Club, if someone told you to check this out, the main thing we do isn't a podcast at all. It's a newsletter. It comes out every fortnight straight to your inbox. Some aspect of the life plus feelings equation. We'll be doing a little bit of a mix with that of stuff that names the the big elephant in the room right now. Stuff that's about the um, the emotional fallout of of what's happening. And we'll also possibly have some stuff that that doesn't talk about it at all. Um, but, again, we will not be a place where you will be hearing scary new information. That will lead to your Twitter deep dives and your obsessive refreshing of the news pages.
1: No news here. No news here. <laughs> Only feelings.
0: Only feelings. Uh, so check us out, bigfeels.club, if you're not on the mailing list or already. Subscribe to this podcast.
1: And, uh, yeah, good luck out there, my friends. You'll hear from us soon.